I think it probably is such a common one um, and everyone knows that comparisons just aren't helpful they're the classic they're, they're the thief of joy um, mm. and ultimately it can be a, a cognitive distortion when people will compare up um, yeah. where you will often compare like your worst part of yourself to someone's best part of yourself um, ultimately again it comes back to like what's important to you like is looking how they look is that ultimately going to going to get you to living a more fulfilled successful or whatever you deem successful life yeah. um which is is a is a kind of a tricky one to kind of come about um because i mean we all know the answer like you don't need to let them to perform well and it's probably just not not going to be helpful but it's that that realization for them is, is quite a difficult thing to do and so starting off by i guess asking them how, how they feel about their body is a, a really solid place to start Hey everyone, this is Dr. Josh Williamson and you're listening to episode four of the Complete Performance Podcast. More than ever, people are struggling with poor energy, suboptimal health and are wanting to perform at their best for everything they want to achieve in their life. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Head of Nutrition at March on Sammy Cooper. One of the main problems I see within the industry is coaches not being able to take complex information and actually translate it into practical advice that's going to improve your day-to-day life. You just need to take one look at Sammy's Instagram page to see how brilliantly she does this and how well she communicates with people. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down with her and have a chat. This is a fantastic conversation about how Sammy has evolved as nutritionist over the last number of years, starting from a background in economics to now head of nutrition at March On. We've touched on a number of different things, including supplement formulations, how we speak to ourselves, body comparisons in sport, and how nutrition is so much more than just calories, protein, and meal timing. So please help me in welcoming this week's guest, Sammy Cooper. Hey Sammy, how are you? How's it going? Hey, um, I'm very well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for having me. How are you? No, I'm very, very well. It's been a busy week settling back in after holidays, but yeah, it's it's always good to, to have a chat like this and to ease yourself back into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you're so right, actually. Having just a nice, casual conversation is a, is a nice way to ease back in. Yeah, yeah. Although the clients don't stop, so you always have to stay on top of those as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. Although, like, even they go on holiday, but yeah they still they're still there they're always there um, yeah. always people to help yeah that's the, the joys about an online online job isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah there's definitely like swings and roundabouts of it for sure um I think it it, it definitely makes it more flexible though um but I also think it, it's harder to switch off then like when you are away because everything is online and it's so easy to to kind of keep working that that's definitely something that I've, I've navigated over the last couple of years oh yeah I say years like probably more recently probably more like this year I'm actually yeah just just kind of figuring that out yeah I think it's very difficult to set boundaries for yourself when it comes to that type of thing yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sure this is something that I like talk with clients all the time and it's so easy to say it but actually doing it's just a, a completely different kettle of fish but it's yeah I think it's something that is is really important I think now like boundaries have been a little bit more blurred with COVID and, and there is so much more like on-screen work and, like we're we're both in our homes right now like that's it's it's just it's so different to, to how things were and as I say yeah there, there are definitely pros of it um like I was I was away for a lot of August to be fair yeah. um the, the first week away I, I did take completely off but then there were there were times where I was working I was working from I did a little bit from Portugal um which is is great like it, it means that you kind of get the best of both worlds but there's I think yeah come like with that comes like the ability to actually switch off um but I'm a big fan of like a change of scenery um and I find that always helps me um and yeah maybe that's a, something to explore next year of, of just seeing if I can go somewhere and, and continue working but just have a change of scenery and I can still get really refreshed from that without like a full-on holiday um yeah because I, I mean I'd love to go on holiday all the time but um no one no one has the holiday for that so yeah it's, it's a the best of both worlds I think yeah no I, I totally agree and this this holiday was a little bit of work involved but it wasn't too bad not the extent as I usually would most mm-hmm. holidays the laptop's with me and you always mm-hmm. feel as if no I have to be doing something yeah but I think I think as you said that's more the expectations we put on ourselves that sure. it, clients aren't going to go anywhere they still have mm. their life to do 
they're not going to worry if we're away for a week <laughs> yeah exactly like a hundred percent and I guess there is the element of like practicing what you preach and if you're there so like applying to emails on when they know you're on holiday like it's just not setting a particularly good example um but I yeah I still think it is really difficult to to completely switch off um but I think it's so invaluable um I think I, I went to Mexico earlier this year in March and that was like probably the first proper holiday I had in like three years and I think at that point like I was actually just very ready to switch off interestingly then like when i I went away to Dubrovnik with my my brother um, and I had maybe like a day where I was like happy to chill. Then I was actually a bit like, oh, like, what is this lying around a pool and like <laughs> they're dipping the sea. And but then it's it's like the want to work, which I think is so nice to have. And I guess that's when you know you're doing something that you actually really enjoy, because when you are on holiday, like I did, I, I did like a little bit of I, I mean, I didn't speak, have any kind of client contact, but I just did working on some content or just other little projects. But it was guess the fact that I just genuinely wanted to it wasn't the pressure but I think you're completely right it's often the pressure that we do put on ourselves yeah yeah definitely it's interesting you say that because am I right in saying that your background was economics marketing before nutrition yeah (laughs) yeah you're right um yeah probably not your your standard road to getting here but I indeed I did economics at uni um I, I really strongly disliked it. Absolutely loved uni, but definitely didn't enjoy my course. Um, but it was just something that, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it at school. Um, my dad worked in a bank and my brother did economics and accounting, then went on to work in a bank as well. Yeah. So it was like, it was never like I was pressured into it, but it was just like, oh yeah, that's that's just what I'll do. Like, yeah, that, yeah that's it. Um, and I wasn't like hugely sporty growing up. I was maybe when I was younger, but um I was very lazy as a kid. I won't like, particularly as a teenager. I love tennis, played played a lot of tennis um, and rounders, but I was, I didn't really get into team sports. One of my best friends had played rugby yeah. and um, I always liked watching it. And she was always like, you should come along. Um, but I, I saved it for uni, basically. I went to, I used to play lacrosse at school and it was toying up between if I'd start rugby or if I'd go back to lacrosse. And it just so happened that the, um, like, rugby taster session was before the lacrosse one and I I went and absolutely loved it um and basically spent my whole university life just just playing rugby definitely did more rugby than I did economics um Mm. but but that's kind of how I how I got into nutrition of um yeah it was something that I really really loved doing and I I put so much energy and and passion into it so when I wanted just to be the the best player that I could be so that's when I started kind of diving into nutrition um definitely did all the classic fads like (laughs) <laughs> low carb um I actually did herbal life for like a brief amount of time my, my dad was doing it and I was like yeah cool I'll I'll do that um again like not not great ideas um so did all the kind of the funny stuff um but ultimately just just wanted to be the best player and then came out of uni and went into marketing and then I did a, a post-grad qualification in, in marketing and was in a little digital marketing agency did the classic went traveling for a bit and then came back to the agency um knew like I didn't enjoy it and I I was still obsessed with rugby still playing loads still um doing as much as I could um and then yeah I think when I got back from traveling I I I basically ruptured two ligaments my ankle just before I went um I didn't didn't know it at the time um and realized that yeah like your ankle giving way is not really a normal thing (laughs) so yeah I had had the surgery and again just wanted to then come back being the best um, player that I could be so with that again had to get more interested in nutrition I understood that that was the value of it um probably up until then I'd I'd been to the gym like a little bit but not properly but that was the first time like I got a PT and really went at things from a from a training side and of course like nutrition then has to support that so I was doing a lot of of reading and just generally learning about it um still probably not doing things particularly well um then yeah, that, that kind of happened. I I kind of went back a bit to rugby. Um, then I ended up having surgery on my shoulder as well. And so I had eight weeks off from work completely. And I guess that was a really valuable time for me to kind of think about what I wanted to do. I knew I wasn't enjoying the job I was doing. Um, it just wasn't uh, the things that I wanted from life, essentially. Um, I very almost became a fire officer. I I, I um I think it was three months after my surgery. So I, I went and did like the bleep test, the first first bits of it, but there was just some bits that I still couldn't do because of my shoulder. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was very almost an, an uncle firefighter, um, which would, would have been cool. Um, I mean, there's, there's still a chance, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that was literally because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So um, in the end, I basically, I started to go back to work. I think I was back in like part-time for, for a few weeks, which is really 
not enjoying it. Um, and then basically on one Friday I had a, a panic attack, which I didn't really know was at the time, um, which I'd never had before. I never really struggled with anxiety. It was, it was completely out of the blue for me. And that's when I was like, like this probably isn't helpful and this is not serving me right now so yeah that was that was the Friday um I think I just walked out then and decided I was going to quit so I quit on the Monday signed up to do a PT course um and literally three weeks later I was doing a, a PT course it was a two-week course it really like blows my mind how you can become a personal trainer in two weeks like what the hell um but yeah, so I did that. And at the same time, I'd also signed up to MNU, Mac Nutrition Uni, um, knowing that I, I did really enjoy that. I didn't know where that was going to sit in my life, but I was going to just keep working and, and do that. And just then I ended up yeah, being a, a full on PT, a self-employed. Um, and of course, when you when you saw I was a PT, a self-employed PT, you don't just suddenly get loads of clients. So I also walk dogs as well, which I bloody love doing. Um, <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, it literally was. Um, and yeah, and then so I was training clients and that's when I I was giving my clients nutrition advice from like what I'd learned and started learning at, at MNU. Then I kind of got to the point where I realized that it was really difficult to do the both because you're you, it's really hard to, to give someone your like attention, both like in, in a training capacity in a gym, but also give them the amount of support that they needed nutrition wise. So I ended up splitting the two. Um, and so my PT clients would get like a little bit of nutrition guidance, like at the start, just so I know that they weren't gonna like endanger themselves or moving <laughs> further away from health, but they never got like properly bespoke stuff. So that's kind of when I started to, to build up my own client base of, of, I think, probably started with family classic you know when you work with or, or friends where you work for free and it, it never goes that well because you're working for free and no, no one really takes that seriously um but yeah I just started getting a, a few clients and I knew at that point then that nutrition was what I really loved um it kind of happened all around lockdown where everyone had loads of time and I really enjoyed learning I which was probably quite a strange thing for me because at uni I really hated it I hated what I was doing and so it was in it, I guess I'd, I'd, all my passion was at, at rugby when I was at uni and because I had injuries, I, I wasn't playing. So I had just had so much energy and focus for something else that I could really love. And that, that was nutrition for me. So I basically just did like a, a shit ton of CPD, so much learning and yeah, yeah I guess learning by, by coaching. Um, the plan was always to do more nutrition. And then I guess, yeah, the job for March one came up. I, um, I went to school with Ollie and Charlie there in, in my, Charlie was in my brother's year. I kind of knew of him, like I, I like would have known Ollie, like just from the names probably. So I, I knew of March on my, my dad also went to the gym and my best friend had started going as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, it kind of, I got involved, started off just by volunteering. So I think I just messaged, I emailed Didi being like, can I shadow you for a little bit? Um, yeah, I was probably a little bit like nervous to do that, but I was like, what, I've got nothing to lose really. And just seeing what, what I could learn from someone else. And I ended up supporting with um, the FLA, the, the Fatless Accelerator and, and kind of coaching there. And then a, a full-time job kind of opportunity came up. So I applied for that. Um, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't really sure I'd, I'd get it, but it was all, yeah, uh, I guess that that's it. Here we are. That was about a year and a half ago. So that was a very long story of, of a way of how I've kind of got here. But um yeah it kind of started out doing something completely different but I guess it's just been a lot of probably a lot of just learning myself um yeah. just consuming as much information as I can listening to different podcasts um but ultimately that probably comes from just a, a true um interest in in nutrition which all stemmed from rugby so that that's where kind of the performance side of things I just yeah I loved it and find it so fascinating how the two are, are linked and they go hand in hand um and then I, of course just being someone in today's society seeing how diet culture has played a role in in people's everyday lives whether you're an athlete or whether you are just a your your regular gym goer um and that's always fascinated me as well um yeah going through some of that stuff myself seeing it my friends seeing it in family um yeah. and I I find that that side of things really enjoyable and, and rewarding um but yeah it all kind of stems a long-winded way of saying it all stemmed from I started playing rugby um and have those of injuries and, and wanted to to get back to playing very long way of saying it <laughs> no I, I really appreciate that and I think you know it's when you mentioned about the anxiety attack that was almost like the turning point there and I'm sure mm -hmm. that was that was quite yeah for sure at the yeah. time as well that it really was like okay I need to do something 
definitely for sure like I I knew for ages that I like I just wasn't enjoying it um the I kind of there was there was potential for me to enjoy it I was able to do like a, a few bits I think the the management wasn't wasn't great and I don't think they were particularly good and it, it's actually so interesting mm-hmm. now to like I have such a like transparent or an honest like relationship with Ollie as, as a boss now um which is great and I I massively value that and it's just so different to what it what it was yeah. um there was like a lot of just I don't know not even like secrecy but it was there was not a great deal of transparency and and at the time I didn't realize how like important that was to me and I wasn't able to to do the things that I enjoyed um and so, yeah, I guess it's just a, a long time of not enjoying what you're doing. Um, and I guess at the time as well, my um, best friend had just kind of landed her dream job and she was absolutely smashing it and just loving it. Yeah. Um, and that was always, um, it was amazing to see that and, and to see that you could do a job that you loved. Um, yeah. yeah, and as I kind of said, I'd, I'd never really struggled with, I think growing up, I was probably like the most chilled kid ever. Like I never got stressed. I like never, yeah, I, I never struggled with anything like that. So um just having the I think the that that was definitely a turning point for me when I was like enough's enough like like no one should should feel like this but I think the injuries themselves gave me time to to think about what what I do want I guess I had eight weeks off where I couldn't really do a great deal I think I watched a lot of Netflix um (laughs) and could go for like a walk but there was yeah I was still kind of quite dependent on a a lot of people so it was just a lot of time to to think about what I I did want to do and I think there's always so much value to come out from times where you do struggle um and I mean it'd be great if if you never had to get to the point of of having like an anxiety attack where that does become the turning point but I think there's if anyone is like kind of going through a rough patch whether it's injury or just generally feeling quite low ultimately like that's when you learn stuff whether it's about yourself or you there is going to be like a a turning point and I think there is there will always be value in those moments you know it's really difficult to tell at the time yeah you almost touched on a point that I want to delve into a little bit later Uh, but it seems that you know you've been almost led to your passion initially from rugby but now you're in that position you do love what you do um, what's some of the projects that you're working on at the minute? You know, who are you working with? What are you working on? And and what's what's exciting you at the minute? Yeah, um, there's a there's a fair bit going on to be fair. Um, no, there there always is. I yeah. guess the 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 biggest one or that we've kind of just started to wrap up and will hopefully be bringing out is our our supplements. So mm-hmm. it was actually the first thing, probably the very first thing I started working on when I when I joined March on, where we ha- we hadn't brought any out. We were hope looking to bring out some whey protein some casein um vitamin d creatine omega-3s um i think that's it and then our we wanted to so those were kind of like the standard stuff and it was just looking at the the formulas and just looking at like leucine content all that kind of stuff just making sure the quantities were right then we also wanted to bring out a product for we saw there was kind of a, a gap in the market but it was more of a convenience product that could help people help females with with pcos i have it myself and i was looking at the 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 kind of the supplements that i take that there is some like decent research behind them that can aid it and just aid kind of menstrual function and um essentially help those with pcos and we were like this would be great if we could put this all in in one product um, and that's where our, our women's formula was was kind of born. So it's L-carnitine, um, myonositol and creatine. Just creatine doesn't necessarily help aid the, the kind of PCOS side of things, but it's definitely something that I highly encourage everyone to take, particularly females, because it's yeah. often one that we they don't tend to take. So um, I guess a, maybe like a slightly selfish way of it was just made my life way easier can you see it there. you can kind of see in the background there's a little bit of an orange packet just there yeah. um and it does it it means everything's all in one place but um it's because it's there's not a great deal amount of, of research or it's relatively new that it's it's not particularly known um but it can have i mean ultimately like i would absolutely love it to to get some march on babies out of this like if someone starts taking it and they get um a more regular cycle and it's a support ovulation and they able they able to get pregnant like that would be my ultimate goals um obviously there's other benefits uh, along the way but that was that was kind of the the first lot of supplements um, mm-hmm. and it was great those got launched in kind of march so that was amazing um then the next batch we're looking at a pre-workout um so i spent quite a lot of time just figuring out what i wanted to actually put in it and what would actually work i know there's so many out there and there's lots of different things that are in there for for no reason really or there's there's lack of of evidence suggesting that they're actually going to be beneficial so it's it's kind of stripping things back and making things things simple and putting them in there for a reason with with intent behind each ingredient um 
and then electrolytes as well. So I think the I, electrolytes is probably the thing that I've most kind of got into over this probably this last year even, and just seeing the the benefit of them and and how they can really have a huge impact. Um, and so we wanted to bring them out, bring out one that had like a decent amount of sodium because often just the, the standard ones don't have that much in. Um, but it was finding the balance of enough sodium that would be really beneficial so you don't have to pop loads and still end up just drinking a shit ton um, and then peeing it out. Um, but also like trying to get the flavor there as well. So it, it wasn't all you could taste wasn't just salt. Um, so that's been a, a really fun kind of project uh that, that took a lot of time and we've now we've had the samples we've tried it all we we took our um the hydration formula to, to nfg and we're getting people to try it all um so that was that was really fun just getting people's reaction and ultimately i think that's that's the best way to get some market research is just literally just get people to try it <laughs> and figure out what what flavors were kind of going on so yeah that's that's probably been a the biggest one at the moment um that's that's kind of occupied a, a fair amount of time along with just one-to-one clients as well um yeah that's always gonna gonna take up a lot of time and what i enjoy yeah it sounds like i think if anyone doesn't know what goes into supplement formulations it, it's not just a matter of what is the evidence saying throw it all in there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes that uh-huh. you wouldn't imagine what goes into it and then yeah. before you get to that point where you can sample it with people there's a lot of groundwork to go in up until that point yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we're I, the third one we're bringing out then is is our our vegan protein as well, and we did so much research on that. We tried so many vegan proteins; it was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're. I think we finally got to a blend that we're happy with in terms of protein yeah. quality and and just content, but also a flavor that actually doesn't taste awful. Um, and is hopefully going to be yeah really beneficial. And that process was um it was long we we did have so much vegan protein um and, and there's still just quite a lot kicking around the office but it was also interesting just to to we we just put it on instagram and just getting as much information as we can like why do people want a plant-based one is it because they are vegan or is it for other reasons and i think we it probably did surprise us a little bit that a lot of people take it whether they have digestive issues with whey or from a sustainability point of view um and that then does impact your the kind of the formula that we then ended up using and and what we decided to kind of push um which i don't think we probably expected quite as much as the way that it, it did end up swinging so that whole process was was really interesting and i can't wait for it to for it to hopefully come out relatively soon um people keep asking me when um and <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't know i don't know when hopefully soon um when the packaging has has been designed and yeah hopefully then we'll be good to go soon i'm gonna say though yeah so you want everyone to ask you when's it coming out then <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna say soon and it's gonna be the classic like how long is a piece of string yeah. so many different things um but yeah um i'm just very excited for that to for that to happen no it sounds really good and as you say i think the name vegan almost throws people off because they think that oh well, they're doing this for you know sustainability reasons or for ethical reasons when reality could be they have digestive issues with whey protein or beef protein tastes horrible <laughs> so yeah. they're like that look like something else yeah yeah for sure it's it's exactly that it's it's just understanding why and i think probably the biggest one was that people have a lot of people had digestive issues with with whey um and that's often why they they kind of go for it but then even like that it can impact what people look for then in a, in a in a protein of course people want quality but we're looking at like what is most important is it is it price point is most important is it protein quality is it taste is it flavor is it texture is it like soy free um all things that there was yeah kind of a, a lot that went into it but i'm yeah really pleased with the outcome yeah no i look forward to, to trying it when it when it hits the market it'll be good yeah, definitely and you also touched on that you're you still got your own clients on the background i think sometimes there's, there's a perception that as a nutritionist and you've already sort of talked around it with the supplement formulation but when you're actually working with one-to-one clients that surely it's just a numbers game and that's all you have to worry about give people their macros and that's it mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think there's there's definitely an expectation of that i think probably particularly when it comes to performance focus it's because a lot of well i guess a lot of performance it depends what what sport or what they're doing the outcome often is numbers focused so people just assume that the input is going to be numbers focused too um and it, it can of course be helpful to to have numbers um but i think it's 
a lot of it really does depend on the the athlete and the, the kind of level that they're at but it's it's often that we will perhaps look at numbers to start with I mean I've got a, a professional football out now and like the whole time we haven't looked at numbers at all yeah. um we yeah we we haven't used it at all like we haven't done any kind of tracking and he's absolutely killing it um whereas some if they're kind of new to it it might be that we do use it we um just to give them like an understanding of what is in the food and I, I guess that's what's really important to how I coach is that the, the the client the athlete has an understanding of why we're doing things um because yeah. as much as I would love to work with clients forever I would I much prefer to give them the autonomy to make decisions for themselves and I'm not going to be with them like 24 seven all the time, even when we are kind of coaching. So yeah. um, giving them that knowledge. And I think macros can be a, a helpful way of doing that just to gain what is in stuff. But ultimately we, we always look to go for more like a habit based process um, and simplifying things along the way, um, making things as easy as possible, whether it's um, like, I do a lot of pick and mixes I find really helpful. So giving them resources with like protein pick and mixes of how much protein is in these things, or yeah. maybe it's a carb one and just giving them a, like a rough idea. And maybe if they then do have a carb tar- target, they can see from a practical sense what that does actually look like. Um, but so, yeah, so much more goes into it than the numbers, mainly just because people are more than numbers. Like we're, we're not robots and so much does go into um, why we eat things yes in an ideal world we, we eat things for a, from a nutrition from a fuel point of view but of course like taste has to go in there often things like convenience are going to be in there but also throw in emotions that's another reason why we eat there's so many reasons why we do it that macros just doesn't cover it yeah no definitely and one of the points that i think really resonates with me is how do you actually apply the knowledge that you have because i remember having a conversation with james morton um and we were talking about his time with team sky and about how you do carbohydrate periodization. And you thought with these guys doing the Tour de France, it, it's going to be right to the gram. And he was literally like, no, it's traffic light system. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's red, amber, and green. And that's it. And they'll send a photo and I'll say a thumbs up or thumbs down. And that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which is, is hilarious to think. It, it literally is. And I think people expect it to be highly complicated yeah. but honestly I, I actually think like the higher the like level of athlete the more simple it, it, it is um yeah. that's that's kind of way I I see things and you'll obviously find the odd one where they are really really interested and, and kind of do want to know everything but yeah. for for someone who is at like that that level they don't have time to think about like how much or they, they don't have energy or just like the mental capacity um to, to yeah to, to think about stuff like that and I think if you can make things as simple as possible it's it is only going to be helpful and I'm, I'm sure I probably at the, the start of my career and even now I'll probably overcomplicate things and it's just taking a step back and ultimately just meeting the athlete where they're at and making yeah. making life as, as easy and as successful for them as possible yeah I wonder if you ever come across any time where obviously when an athlete approaches you they obviously have expectations of what that maybe three six twelve month plan is going to look like but we sort of touched on it earlier that that necessary failure is an essential part of the process mm-hmm. how do we balance that that expectation of i want to achieve a certain result within a three month or a six month period but also you're going to need to feel a lot along the way to actually learn how to do that long term yeah for sure i think it's it's being kind of clear and frank up front um and I, well hopefully I, I do do kind of come across but like I kind of touched on it transparency I think is, is highly important um yeah. like and that's that's definitely a big part of what a, a kind of clear value of mine that kind of leads into just authenticity and I think being upfront that um I like have a, a lot of the theory that we need to know but ultimately you're a very different individual from from the client who I'll speak to like after you and it's it's knowing that I the classic phrase I use is trial, error and compromise. Mm. Um, and I think that can be applied to probably things beyond nutrition as well. But we have to go through that process. Like we we know what the what could in theory work for you, but it's like, will that actually practically work for you in your life? And how sustainable is that? And along that we will like there will be errors along the way, but it's the ability to, to kind of learn from those errors, pick up as to why they've happened. Um, Equally, I think we can we can kind of go too far with the like overanalyzing, like why hasn't this happened? Like why have I not done this, or why has it not gone well? So if there's something to learn from it, great. But I guess not ruminating on on those failures and ultimately using it as that kind of learning curve. Um, also, from the kind of compromise side of things, is that 
it's very difficult to get things perfect and we likely will never get things perfect. So yeah, yeah we'll have trial error and then there might be a compromise somewhere along the way. Um, and that's probably something that I will install in, in the athletes like relatively early on, early on, just so they can understand what that's lo- that looks like. Um, and I guess when, when I'm talking about our, our kind of how I coach, there's never one set way of doing things. So they'll have the kind of outcome and it'd be great if we can have, right, this is what we're going to do for four weeks. This is what we'll do for the next four weeks. Like they probably would in their, in their training. And I think we will often compare to training is quite periodized. Um, it's, you kind of know what you're doing and often they'll want to give everything that they've got. And when you, people will come to nutrition, they, they want to do the same thing. Like they want it to be like meticulously periodized and, and planned and give it everything they've got. And that just doesn't work because there's so many things that will, will factor in that, that we can't completely periodize things. We don't know how things are going to go equally. Like you can't give nutrition hundred percent, like you would training because yeah, it, it just doesn't work like that. You can't go all in because you can't sustain that for for ages and ages. It's not like the with with training you've got like recovery periods where you have set days to recover. Like you don't have that with nutrition. You can't just have days to unless people see that as like cheat days, which is another <laughs> thing altogether. Um, but it it just doesn't translate. And I think that's often probably quite a one that no one really thinks about is that we we want to give everything to our nutrition because we yeah. just most people for for someone who's a high performer they're going to be high performing in multiple areas of their life um and it's just very difficult to be a high performer in nutrition yeah no i i totally agree and i think all of those different things that you summarized earlier on about you know there's a number of different factors that influences your nutrition decisions you know you're having at least three meals a day for seven days a week so you can't go hard all the time and mm-hmm one of the things that I just say to my clients is life happens. Mm-hmm. You know, they come and say, oh, maybe my car broke down or whatever. I'm like, life happens or we have to, we have to adapt now. But I think one of the things that really are a phrase that would summarize, I guess, your whole approach is we have to be curious about nutrition and why we do things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, that's, I think having like that kind of curiosity is, so valuable for nutrition and again just just life in general uh, I'm sure my my clients will get really fed up with the amount of times I, I tell them that but I think it is so true like curiosity is such a a great kind of trait and, and attitude to have because we can be we can be scared of things we can be scared of different foods or of like the outcome um but ultimately if, if you're curious it it just leaves the door open for for other emotions and un, other thoughts and ultimately greatness to come from that yeah there might still be some kind of fear in, involved in that but being curious just gives out that, that opportunity for for more um and mm. i think that's that's definitely one of the the most underrated things yeah no definitely i think you know a lot of my clients as well they come and expect very much maybe performance markers weight loss markers that type of thing when the reality is most of the stuff we do is all reflection based. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> you're already doing the work. I'm just overseeing things here. Yeah. And yeah. That can be such a, an alien concept to a lot of people because a lot of people just don't, don't reflect on anything in their life. Never mind their day-to-day nutrition choices. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's, that's such a big one actually. Um, and probably one of the things that people who come and they, they just don't ex- expect that kind of level of reflection and for a lot of people it's actually really difficult because for most of us like we'll go most of our lives without without really reflecting yeah. um I know like I definitely like when I was younger I I like never did I never did anything kind of like that and I probably thought it was like a little bit wishy-washy to to kind of think like oh how has my week gone um but now like that's that's so much of what the, our my coaching process is is literally just is reviewing and a lot of the time that actually we end up talking about minimal time is spent on nutrition, actually reviewing the actual things, but it's like, okay, how has your week gone then? Like what's happened? And we end up discussing so much more than just the food that you're eating because of kind of, like we said, there's, there's so much more that goes into, to, to why we eat stuff. So I think reflection is so invaluable and that's where things like you don't need to meticulously track your macros because if you're reflecting, ultimately it's, it's, the habits that are going to get you to where you want to go, whether you're tracking that and a number kind of externally validates that for you, but you can still get that outcome by just reflecting, right? Okay. How have my habits been this week? What have I done? What, what have I perhaps not done? And what would I like to do more? Um, and it just gives you that opportunity to, yeah, to, to adjust and keep heading in the right direction without getting bunged down with, with numbers. Um, and yeah, and I, I, yeah, I just, I think reflection is, is so, is such a big part and an undervalued part of coaching. Yeah, it's it's one that 
you still see a lot of it in the industry of it's it's purely is a numbers game and you know mm-hmm. weight hasn't dropped okay well this slash calories way down and then yeah. people maybe have to come to us for a little bit more of a reflective based approach to understand that mm-hmm. but one of the things that i always tell my clients is that whether it's a moment you were born into a very stressful situation you were offered food and no matter if it's a very you know positive experience like a celebration or graduation or birthday or something that's on the other end of the spectrum where you may be grieving foods available at all of those so it's inherently linked to our emotional state and yeah for a lot of people it is their their primary coping strategy yeah absolutely yeah i think i think you're so right it 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 just is it is a coping strategy for for so many like no matter um if you're like a just a weekend warrior or um like an elite athlete and i think Mm. the bringing in i i kind of had a I've had well multiple conversations this week actually with just of looking at that food is, is the kind of the go-to is the coping mechanism but ultimately it is serving a purpose it, it is yeah. a coping mechanism so it's not the worst thing in the world because if it kind of gets you that that moment it's 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 okay and I think there are definitely times where actually using food as a coping mechanism is completely fine and it likely does the job but it's when it becomes like the only the only tool that we use for coping or if we're suppressing other emotions that just kind of put stuff put stuff aside that's when it can be can be problematic so that's when we start to bring in and I think it's quite difficult for athletes to do this is looking at okay like what else do you enjoy what else makes you happy and for so many um like being an athlete is an identity um and that that's all they kind of do that's all they see um so this is again probably stuff that people don't expect is that we will look at okay like what have you done this weekend like who have you have you spoken to what have you have you seen your friends have you speaking to your spoken to your family um and having just things that they can do um, that that do make them smile, that isn't necessarily in the gym, that isn't training. It's just these other things that they can then use to, to help them cope. And I think that's a, a very foreign thing when you ask someone like, what, what, what makes you happy? What do you enjoy doing? Um, and it's often one of the, the early questions that I ask clients. Um, and a lot of people, it will just be, oh yeah, I like the gym. And then we get into it more. And then then they're kind of like, well, I don't know what my hobbies are. Um, and that that can seem like a weird or slightly scary thing but again that's when curiosity comes in then because it's yeah. well great we we don't know what our hobbies are but that's really cool because there's so many hobbies that we might enjoy and then it's it's being curious and, and seeing what actually what, what you do enjoy doing and then you've got far more tools in your toolbox to then go and turn to when you you do have certain emotions that will give you that dopamine hit that you're looking for that probably is going to be sustained slightly longer because it's not just coming from food and in, in the moment um and ultimately yeah that's that's going to help get over the, the whole emotional eating and using food as a and relying on it as a coping mechanism yeah no i, I totally agree i I don't want anyone to think that emotional eating isn't bad because it is a valid strategy that we can use, but as you said, it probably just shouldn't be the only one. Mm-hmm. How do we actually, you know, if, if people are thinking, well, okay, maybe I do that out of boredom, maybe I actually use food as a distraction to, to actually mm-hmm. embrace my emotions and be in comfort with them. Because yeah. I think some people don't do that as well. They just use food as I'm going to distract myself from this emotion because yeah. I don't want to sit with it. Sure. How, how do we actually take that leap that, instead of food or instead of going to the gym that I actually have to try something else because people will be skeptical of well this can't work as well as the gym or food yeah definitely and I think that can be quite a scary thing for people is to actually acknowledge their emotion but ultimately that's that is the first point it's the awareness of what is happening um and it, it can be quite a difficult one because how do you suddenly become aware of an emotion and I think even just the thought to not like ultimately directly go for food and it's it's almost just remembering to think okay what am I actually feeling like that's the the, the first step is to would be to label the emotion but sometimes to even to get to that step you need to be aware of what you're actually doing um and that's there's no kind of hard and fast way of, of doing that sometimes a case of actually just remembering to do it um yeah. for some people I've, I've definitely had clients that actually will just they'll have a visual cue whether it's literally a post-it note on like the kitchen cupboard door that that just gets them to think like what are you feeling um just having a a visual cue can can be really helpful and I guess that's actually where potentially one benefit of tracking is because it's just that cue to if someone's putting it in um they're like my fitness pal or whatever app they're using it's it's a slight reminder but ultimately it's we can we can still do that away from from my fitness pal so it's bringing in that that awareness um and then yeah once once we have that um and that probably just comes with time and and learning to do it it's then labeling that that emotion trying to think about what are you actually feeling which 
again, for someone who is, is kind of using food as a tool to, to suppress those emotions, sometimes coming to terms with that, what that emotion is, or they're not used to labeling exactly what it is. Um, so I have like a, a wheel of emotions, which is quite helpful. It's a, a visual thing where you can literally go through. I'm sure you've probably seen one of literally just figuring out what, what that is. Um, and then ultimately, once you know what emotion is, you are going to be in a, a better place to, um, help kind of deal with that emotion that isn't necessarily food um like if it's boredom if you if you kind of figure out you're, you're just being bored and there's so many things that you can do to kind of um entertain yourself um and it's not it's never kind of a case of saying no to the the food but perhaps it's even just starting by delaying it so often when you say like you don't give yourself permission to have food like you just want it more um it's a thing I'm sure we did as all as kids if your parents say you can't have something you, you just want it more so <laughs> it's not like a hard and fast no um that I can never use food as that or I can't I can't have this thing but sometimes for first step for people is is to delay it and the using the kind of delay distract aside the surfing the urge um yeah. can be a helpful tool just to kind of then give you space to think about what that is um if you're unsure like in the moment of trying to label it like what is this even if you just delay it slightly it's not it's not saying no to it you know you can have it another time but it's it it gives you some chance just to kind of label what that emotion is and see if you can better address it elsewhere um often if it's like a full-on craving then cravings are transient that it, it will pass um but you can then just however long later 15 half an hour later it's you can then make like an informed decision whether you want to have that food or if you can best address your needs elsewhere yeah yeah definitely i think i would say that a lot of the work that i do and probably a lot of work you do as well is once you have that initial nutrition set up it's how do we get people to have that awareness around their food not just from an emotional standpoint but just in general their day-to-day life if they're in you know a stressful situation if they're Maybe if they're commuting a lot, then they have to do something very convenient. How do they make, how do they have the awareness to make a good decision as opposed to things out of habit? But I totally agree with what you said. The two questions that I get clients to ask all the time is what am I feeling right now? And what do I need right now? Mm. That can put them in a better position to actually make a more helpful decision for whatever their emotion that they are feeling at that given time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think two highly important questions that you just you've got to ask yourself to, to better deal with with your needs um i think it's probably underrated for literally every single person i think that that would be hugely valuable whether it's in a nutrition setting or or elsewhere whether someone's like an impulse buyer or they're like want to go and do a really hard session in the gym it's it's just acknowledging what you're feeling and what you actually need yeah no i i totally agree and you mentioned about the whole idea of the athlete identity and i think this is something that's I've had clients before where they feel as if if they're out with friends that they have to make a decision around their food that mm-hmm. this has to be a, an, a decision an athlete would make as opposed to what I actually want. Sure. So how do you how do you bring up that conversation when it comes to working with with that athletes, whether it's around body image, whether it's around their identity, what they do outside of sport? Because it's mm-hmm. not what people expect when you're working with a nutritionist. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a it's a really interesting one. And I think you're so right is that we often have identities around whether it's certain people um, Mm -hmm. and and kind of breaking that down and and looking at, at why that might be. I think ultimately it's asking just intentions behind why they did something like if you've got someone's food diary and you can see like that they had this when they were out with their friends and maybe it's like a passing comment that they make oh yeah well my friends had this but um I had this it's it's actually just getting them to to understand their intentions behind things um that's probably another buzzword that I say all the time was actually just being clear on your intentions behind why you're doing things and I think so much of intentions comes down to what your values are in life again yeah. probably not something people expect when they come for nutrition advice and I'm like cool right so what's important to you in life like how do you want to live your life um yeah. it's it's it seems quite a, a bizarre thing but ultimately uh we need all of our actions to to be intentional and, and in line with those values and it may be that their their friends values are slightly different um but it's it's again about being authentic and being what is important to you and and ultimately yeah what are your needs in that situation um and what are what are your wants because often we feel like we I, I guess when we're looking at identities it's it's they're basically how we perceive other people to perceive ourselves yeah. um and sometimes just just asking them that like how do you think your friends would describe you um and and getting them to to kind of ask ask themselves that question then it's like okay how would you like to be described by your friends what do you think would be important um 
and I have a big kind of a values workbook that um, I definitely like when I first started, I, I think I try and get people to do it straight away. Like I can, I yeah. could <laughs> completely see like what they need and this is what they need. But like a few weeks in, like they're definitely not ready for that. Like they, uh, that's just, it's just a step too far for them. So again, it's a, a case of meeting them out and, and bringing it, bringing up that conversation when it, it actually is going to make sense to do, even if I know that they could really do with that right from the start. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned as a practitioner is, is it's really a case of meeting somewhere where they're at and knowing that even if you know what's going to be best for them, they're not ready for it right now. So they have to be ready and, and be willing and receptive because it is such a big question that they're probably not expecting. And it's likely yeah. something that they've never even thought about. They have to be receptive to it. And in a position where you've, you've built that rapport and you can have that conversation with someone. Um, and so, yeah, that's those simple questions. Like, how would you, how would you like describe yourself or how would your friend describe yourself? How would you, what qualities do you like in, in your friends? Um, and it just moves, it, it looks into more of them as a person rather than an athlete um, and ensures that, yeah, their, their intentions are, are aligned with actually what they want. Yeah. I think it's a mistake that a lot of probably younger people coming in their coaching role make is that they feel as if the client is coming to them to tell them exactly what they want to do. But it's really you have to give the client what they want and a little bit of what they need. And then hopefully over time, you're like this, get you where I want you to be. But that doesn't come right off the bat, because if you jump in hard with, well, what are your values? Yeah. People have never thought of that in their life. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. I want you to help me to lose weight. So why ask me about values? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Particularly for like yo-yo dieters where you absolutely know that they just need to stop trying to lose weight is going to yeah. be a hugely beneficial thing. But you can't just like someone can't just walk in the door and you're like cool right we're dropping everything we're going to focus on this um and I guess that's when you of course you you need to take them out of a situation where again they're not like if it's taking away from health and yeah. often that's when like a habit-based kind of um yeah outlook is is going to be helpful because essentially taking it back to health and I, I, again I think this is something that I've massively learned is is looking at that that health first and really doing a big kind of audit and analysis of or where they're at both both physically and mentally with their relationship with food as well mm -hmm. and then ensuring that we are doing habits that will likely serve them no matter what their goal is whether it is they want to focus more on performance or if it's fat loss they're just kind of foundational habits that they can become autonomous they don't have to think about them they they just have to happen like automatically um and that's kind of the, the place to start. And then ultimately, once you've kind of built that rapport, that's when I can, you can kind of get a little bit deeper, I guess, and start to bring in what do you want to do with your life? Yeah. I, I guess once you can have those different conversations, it's, it opens up obviously more questions for the athlete as well. But how do we, how do we have a conversation around that when we see the elite CrossFitters and they have a certain body type and they look a certain way? But you mm -hmm. into your even in the high performing competing gym that people don't look like that, but people mm -hmm. feel as if I need to look a certain way in order to perform a certain way when that yeah. yes, yeah, definitely. I think it probably is such a common one, um, and everyone knows that comparisons just aren't helpful. The the classic they're, they're the thief of joy, mm -hmm. um, and ultimately it can be a, a cognitive distortion when people will compare up. Um, where you will often compare like your worst part of yourself to someone's best part of yourself. Um, ultimately, again, it comes back to like what's important to you, like is looking how they look, is that ultimately going to get you to living a more fulfilled, successful or whatever you deem successful life, yeah. um, which is, is, a, is a kind of a tricky one to kind of come about. Because, um, I mean, we all know the answer, like, you don't need to let them to perform well and it's probably just not not going to be helpful but it's that that realization for them is, is quite a difficult thing to do and so starting off by I guess asking them how, how they feel about their body is a, a really solid place to start um and we do when we onboard a client they go through a massive kind of google form with loads and loads of questions and that is one of the questions like how how do you feel about your body or how would you describe it um and rating their kind of body image on a scale um is often just quite insightful um and so it's like that I'll, I'll kind of know how they feel about their body before we even have a have a chat about it and again it's probably not going to be one of the first things we discuss because in the case of meeting someone where they're at if you're starting to to help someone with, with a body image who thinks that they just need to look a certain way in order to perform a certain way yeah. um hopping in with that and getting them to to do some kind of deep thinking around that is just never going to be helpful but but when they're ready for it um just just looking at kind of what they're what they're comfortable with and, and a, a thing that I'll often do is getting to do a, a body image diary it really does depend on how 
how kind of much of their body image is, is taking up throughout their life and you you kind of get to know that throughout just getting to know them and 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 reflecting ultimately um asking them kind of questions around that we I do have a check-in form that I'll sometimes use with clients and one of the questions in that is kind of what was the most negative thought you've had this week um and and sometimes that is around like based around their their body or just generally there's a comp there's a, a question about how do you feel kind of progress is going and as we kind of discussed a lot of it isn't necessarily a metric it's it's about like how you're feeling and just so many different things but a lot of the time even though if performance is the goal they'll be like oh I feel like I've gained weight this week and that's always a really interesting sign that it's clearly in their mind even if they think they're really performance focused it's still in it's kind of still in their mind and then we can kind of talk about that and then I think one of the the first steps I kind of mentioned the a body image diary and just looking at like how like are they body checking how often are they doing it where are they when they're doing it so yeah. are you like pinching your your stomach um like when you're when you're putting on some clothes do you check your reflection in a in a window as you walk past yeah. um just little things like that again it's that awareness to know that you're doing them and for a lot of people that struggle with that with body image in general they'll they'll kind of body check quite a lot so it's 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 that awareness um and then it, I guess it's, it's dealing with that, it's seeing if we can reduce them, get rid of some altogether, or it's just seeing if we can reframe some of those thoughts that kind of happen um, or, or just diffusing them. So, because um, I think sometimes it's great when we can kind of change the what we're telling ourselves and, and reframe thoughts. Um, but say like you've tried on a pair of jeans and, and they no longer fit, like that is fact. A lot of the time our thoughts aren't, aren't true. We know that. Yeah. It may be that I'm like, oh yeah, I feel fat. And we know that that's not necessarily the case and we can reframe that thought. But if you've legit just tried on your jeans and they, they don't fit like they did a few weeks ago, a few months ago, like that is true. We can't reframe that thought because it's, it is kind of a fact. It's then kind of seeing if we can diffuse it or just ultimately moving to acceptance of that and, and being okay with that and knowing that it doesn't define you and it, it, it's then just kind of stopping the catastrophizing or it, it's stopping the like oh I, I these jeans look awful um everyone's going to think I look awful it's kind of stopping that projecting your your thoughts from onto, onto someone else it's just another cognitive distortion yeah. so it's so much of that comes from that self-awareness and I think the ultimate go-to for most people when they feel bad in their body is to change their body not actually just work on it in their mind um again a very difficult one you can't just suddenly start with that um unless someone i mean i do i do have people come to me that um do want to work on their body image that's the reason that we're, we're doing this and then for them you can kind of get into things a little bit earlier on but a yo-yo dieter who struggles with body image it's going to take a little longer yeah no I, it just sounds as if you're observing all of my clients right now <laughs> 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 it is the stuff that we talk about and you know i think for those people who come directly with you with with those specific um concerns that they have it's it is relatively easy to jump in pretty deep pretty quickly but mm -hmm. for the people who have maybe been caught in that hamster wheel for years or, or even the athletes themselves who, who yeah. aren't aware that all these factors tie into their nutritional mm -hmm. decisions it can take a while for them to realize and you almost have to let them realize themselves that yeah well you have to sort of learn the hard way almost uh, yeah. that you know your decisions are being affected by your emotions and vice versa mm -hmm. uh, yeah for sure just because you want to diet really hard and look a certain way isn't necessarily going to lead you to happiness or confidence or or all of those things that you think it is or at least not the extent that you think it's going to yeah yeah definitely and and that's where things like motivational interviewing can really be like massively beneficial then because ultimately you're, you're just asking them questions um and and they you, you know like what you're trying to get out from them so you know the answer but you want them to to tell you the answer and so it's it's being able to to word questions in a way that are thought-provoking and it, it gets them to to the to the place where they need to be um and I think even you just saying that what I was just discussing kind of massively reflects your clients um because I think that is such a, a common thing it, it's struggles with body image it happens to everyone obviously on, on kind of different levels but it is such a a common thing um and I think for a lot of people, again, that's probably why well, a big part of self-compassion is, is just knowing that a lot of these negative things are part of the, just the common human experience. And that us, we as humans, we, we do experience these things. Um, it's, it's not to say that they're, they're normal and um, they're, there's definitely some, some highly kind of negative thoughts. And when it really does impact someone like that, that certainly isn't normal, but it's, I think in that situation, it can seem quite isolating and thinking like, why do I hate my body when people are, are okay to kind of walk around in whatever it's like topless or shorts and a crop top um 
when yeah just understanding that they those people likely have their own insecurities as well so it, it is a massive part of the the common human experience and that's a, a huge part of self-compassion yeah definitely and i think it's one of those ones that i would talk with a lot of clients about the female being scared about going on holidays and being in a, a swimsuit and they're like mm-hmm. what are people going to think of me and i'm just thinking those people are probably thinking about themselves that they're too busy to worry about what you're thinking you know yeah yeah 100 percent. i think the holiday is an interesting one and for so many people as well like if you're going on holiday you're never going to see these people again um and and with kind of body image i'll I'll often ask my clients to think about the things that either they're concerned them or they're scared to do um and we end up with with this kind of a long list and and then we we order them in in terms of like what is going to be most scary or seems really far away um and those would have like a higher rating and and it, it may be that being in um like their swimming costumes around their friends or in a certain situation might be up top but actually maybe it's being in a swimsuit on holiday with people you don't know might be kind of halfway and then maybe it's like something further down that's um like wearing shorts to the gym might be lower down and it's looking at where these kind of all of these things sit, sit that they're either avoiding or they're not doing and then basically just going at it with kind of graded exposure so it may be that yeah someone is is on like in a kind of first glance they're scared to be in a in a swimming suit on holiday but actually when they think about it they don't know anyone there and they're not going to see them again um and they they actually feel like okay with that and sometimes just thinking it through um can give you the the confidence to to do it and there is a huge element of like sometimes you just have to do it to feel confident um I think that's a it's it's a it's a really big thing of sometimes you do just have to jump and I'm, I'm not saying jump in it that the highest one that is is really scary but for sure sometimes just to lower things down like you just have to do and again with that curiosity with the okay, care I wonder how this is going to go I wonder how it's going to feel most of the time it's never as bad as you actually anticipate it to be yeah definitely I think when when people say especially what you mentioned about going to the the gym when a pair of shorts or a crop top or something it's something I, I would experience quite a lot with clients and even as you say just questioning just saying well when you're in the gym and do you greet everyone as soon as they come into the gym do you say mm-hmm. are you gonna be friends with that person or not be friends with them because their body's changed mm-hmm. and they know themselves they just haven't thought it but when they say it out loud they're like no i, I don't think about that like well what makes mm-hmm. you think that, uh, that they're gonna be doing that to you that they're gonna not be your friend because if you've gained weight or felt as if you've gained weight mm-hmm. it's just i think even just asking that question can bring up so much for that person yeah yeah definitely I think just yeah literally as you said it's just just asking them that I think a lot of that as well comes from um if someone has been smaller and they've had compliments so it's like no one's really going to notice or defriend you because you've got bigger but equally you're kind of like put on a pedestal when you have been smaller um and people comment on oh you look great or like you know like you've lost weight and it's seen as it's such an achievement and so the natural kind of thought process to see weight loss as an achievement so then being like I've gained weight that that's awful it's it's the complete opposite I guess it's a bit of dichotomous thinking um and so a, a one that I've I've kind of started to do a little bit more with clients who do struggle with body images um because it's really easy to to be in the habit of like saying oh you look great or you look so nice today but actually either it's complimenting something what maybe it's what they're wearing like oh I love your top or it's it's something that you can't necessarily change or like oh it's so nice to see you and sometimes actually just you kind of giving out compliments in a way that I guess you'd, you'd wish to be complimented but also just 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 making them not about appearance or it's about something that you can't necessarily change I think that is a real game changer and I'd love that to happen on a on a, a worldwide scale of there's there's so much unlearning to be done then and, and relearning um but that would be dreamy yeah <laughs> it's it's so interesting just hearing your your experiences and, and your evolution as a coach coming through because it's exactly where I think I you know where I've been through and where I'm moving to is more into the psychology side of things because nutrition and decisions we make is a behavior and a lot of that is ingrained within psychology so we need to know about that and that's when like motivational interviewing and some cbt or sct is all involved in this and you know it does go a lot deeper than here's a protein target aim for that yeah yeah for sure i I think you're so right It, it has to go that way um i think particularly in like a a professional athlete setting like historically it has been very kind of clear cut and and everyone kind of knows well has expectations and and they are kind of carried out in terms of like it's number driven it's it's all that kind of stuff and that will always be there like ultimately nutrition like the the theory the foundations 
are are there they're they're not going to change yeah maybe we'll we'll have new research around certain areas maybe it's new supplements but that is always going to be there and so I think that's why it has to go and kind of go the other way into into the more psychology of things because you're right like nutrition is a behavior and so there will always be so many things that kind of relay into that I I guess COVID is probably a a really big well sign for so many people that their habits change and and people would think that like it's awful or people gained weight I think I know a, a lot of people did and people see that as a bad thing when actually it was just a product of their environment and that's a very normal thing for for it to kind of happen and I think that's why we kind of have to go around the the more psychology route and just looking into to why we do things yeah yeah definitely having that intention and having that curiosity with our decisions yeah absolutely 100 in curiosity yeah love it yeah um just to sort of close out um because i do appreciate them taking a lot of your time two questions i guess guess to close could you tell me about a client that has really changed the way you operate as a a nutritionist Mm, that's a good one um i think i had a client who came to me for fat loss and she just had a um, replacement hip surgery she um, was kind of like mid 40s ish um, so quite young to have that to have that done yeah. um, and she was in it she was kind of, I think maybe like 10 weeks post-op um, and ultimately I, I knew that being in a calorie deficit at that point in her recovery where I actually I spoke to her physio as well and, and came, kind of gained some insight into how she was doing recovery wise um, and came to the conclusion that yeah being in a calorie deficit trying like for fat loss really wasn't going to be the right um, decision for her from a recovery point of view um, and of course I was never going to like put her her well-being ahead of kind of health so um yeah we we kind of decided not not to do that and I was kind of quite upfront and, and honest about that and throughout that process then um her intentions massively changed them from fat loss to actually just um, appreciating her body a little bit more in men that we were able to facilitate her recovery. Mm. Um, and I guess the goal kind of shifted quite a lot. And I think that really highlighted for me how often fat loss is people's go to and how it actually is so helpful to have a, a period of, of just focusing on habits. Cause ultimately that's, that's what we did. She did end up tracking it in that period. She was, she was tracking, which was really helpful for, for me to see. She was also vegan. So from that point of view, I had to ensure that she was getting in like certain nutrients to, to aid recovery and, and just for health as well. So, um, really focusing on, on that, that I think has probably changed my outlook on a, on a few things. And again, it's, it's, it's for some, you can kind of, really go into that a little bit more and it's I would love to have like four weeks of just looking at habits and and definitely the more I coach the more we do have more of like a discovery phase to lay down foundations and then we can start to get a little bit more goal specific but that's probably the one that changed a lot of of how the process behind how I coach yeah you know that sounds really good it's always those clients that we might don't expect those situations but when they crop up it's like okay well how do I approach this? And, you know, again, just being curious about it. How do I reflect on this? Would I've changed something and mm-hmm. adapting to the situation or adapting to what the client requires at that, that point in time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think ultimately that's it, is, is meeting the client where they're at and, and looking at, it's meeting where they're at, but also knowing what, what they do need. It's, it's that balance of what they need versus what they want and, and finding that. Um, whereas I'm sure when I literally first started, everyone was on my fitness pal, everyone, that's that was the go-to. Um, and yeah, it's definitely changed a lot since then. Yeah, yeah. And just to, to finish off, Sammy, um, what's one question that you would like, you would like to talk about today, but we haven't and how would you have answered it? Oh, I, I'd say one of my questions would I'd probably just like aim it at you just to to get to know you and your and how you are as a practitioner <laughs> so I guess I it wouldn't really be what I would answer I don't know what what one question um I don't know what, what would I like to have been asked um I don't know I feel like we talked a lot yeah I think I'm I'm always happy to to discuss like so much and I will often go off on a tangent as we, we probably gathered I'm will easily talk for, for England and the whole of the UK. I don't know. That's a very difficult question. What would I have liked to have been asked? Maybe just like, what am I having for dinner? Because I haven't planned it. <laughs> we'll go with that. What, we what am I having for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> just as giving me some idea of, of what I'm going to... I know I've got some roast chicken in the fridge. got some carrot and sweet mash. Um, maybe some gravy along the way. Yeah, that, that's what we'll go. That's how I would answer that question then. <laughs> There's dinner sorted. <laughs> 
yeah done what a what a way to end now I've got yeah intentions behind why I'm eating I know what I'm doing um yeah dinner sorted yeah um but I really appreciate your time it's been a really good conversation um it's interesting to hear the amount of different things that go behind just your role as nutritionist and the journey that you've been on and and the things you've learned along the way so thanks very much and yeah I'm sure people will get a lot of value from that yeah thanks so much for having me Josh yeah I loved it so so much to talk about um and yeah thanks so much Thanks for listening to the Complete Performance Podcast with your host, Dr. Josh Williamson. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sammy and can take away some value to improve your daily performance. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Josh Williamson, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.